0: Welcome to the North Catalyst podcast, Procurement Bytes, and I'm your host, Aval Sethi. Today, I'm going to share thoughts on creating value. Managers who adopt a mindset to create value hold the key to becoming truly successful leaders, says a professor at the Harvard Business School. Narrating an incident, the professor said that he had called on a long-time and a senior professor for a favor, which was that he wanted to study the inner workings of a large and a successful organization and he needed help to get in touch with some top level executives who could provide insights for his research. Later, post his research, the professor asked how he could pay back the favor. The senior professor put his arm around his colleague's shoulder and said, you don't owe me anything. This is the way we do things here. Just pay it forward. I will never forget that, says the professor. That incident had such a huge influence on me. It's an example of what he calls value-creating behavior. Doing a favor for the good of the organization without expecting anything in return. He argues that managers who adopt a value-creating mindset hold the key to becoming truly successful leaders. After all, Business is a team sport. It's soccer, not golf. Nobody plays by themselves and wins in business. You will never succeed until you become a good team player, somebody who thinks about other people and checks their motivations at the door. In general, value creators work cooperatively with others to make the corporate pie bigger for all. Whereas value claimers, on the other hand, focus on taking more of the pie for themselves like a thief steals for personal gains. The business world is filled with value claimers and this all-for-me attitude becomes apparent in a variety of ways. One, for example, during internal corporate budget disputes, some executives focus only on their own needs without considering the requirements of other departments or individuals. And then there are workers who hoard information as if it was gold. Believing that guarding certain company know-how gives them more power. Rather than sharing customer lists that might give another department a hand or help in making sales, for instance, they squirrel those names away. Some find more subtle ways to keep others out of the loop, like failing to copy certain colleagues on pertinent and important emails. People want to increase the power by keeping that information confidential. But you have to make sure You copy the right people. It's important to keep in mind which people need their information in order for them to do their job better. Most people don't look to become value claimers, but rather just fall into it as a way of protecting their own corporate turf. Eventually, it ends up becoming a habit that sticks. The instinct to claim is so strong, so everybody will naturally be a little bit of both a value claimer and a value creator but an executive can actively choose to be a value creator someone who always looks for the win-win leaving enough room for both sides to benefit from a deal without feeling the need to swipe every last penny sometimes you have to give up something you want it's a very hard thing to do and no one is ever going to be perfect at it but if you make it your goal to be a value creator then it becomes an instinct it becomes the lens you have on things and it becomes easier. It's clarifying and if you can focus on that, it is the way to win. One way to be a good value creator is to give your co-workers credit where credit is due. The need to appear smart can lead managers to cast blame on others for missteps or to claim an employee's idea as their own when speaking before the bosses or the boards. The kind of thing that can be terribly demotivating to the person who had the idea originally. It's actually a tragedy when that happens. Somebody is trying to claim value, but in doing so, the person has destroyed a value for the company by demotivating an employee. Everybody loses. Having a staff member receive credit for good ideas not only makes the employee feel valued and motivates him or her to come up with better ideas in the future, but also makes the leader look good. The purpose of business is simple and well-defined. It's to make the world a better place, to create value. After all, companies that make their purpose just about profit often do poorly because both their customers and their employees sense this quest for the almighty dollar, which makes them feel as if they are being squeezed rather than being served. The way to be a successful company is to think, how do we produce this at better costs? Or how do we make this more valuable for our customers? The profits obviously follow from all of that. Three reasons executives should give great consideration to become value creators. Firstly, what goes around comes around. Executives shouldn't look to create value only because they hope to receive a favor or other rewards in return. That's a very transactional, short-term approach that doesn't work well in companies and similarly, it doesn't work well in marriages too. Imagine if you and your spouse wanted something in return for every little thing you did and you had to make sure every single thing was even. My God, how would you even achieve that? But when you extend yourself in a way that creates value for a co-worker and for the company as a whole, Many times, a good portion of the pie will come back to you. Rewards in the form of greater compensation, promotions or other benefits are often dealt to those who create value within their companies. Secondly, it is the safest route. It may feel risky to give others credit, particularly when you may be worried that no one will do the same for you. But you will actually feel safer and less anxious by doing the right thing. It's much safer to be a team player. Others will like you and ultimately you will be happier. And thirdly, people who are bad sports in the business world eventually stand out. It's not a fun life. The biggest predictor of happiness in life is good relationships. If you have really good relationships, you have really good friends. You have people who have your back, who believe in you, who really respect you. And you feel the same way about others. If you have that in your life, it's very hard not to be happy. If you don't have that, it's impossible to be happy. Keep tuning in for new episodes and keep listening. This is your host, Aval Sethi. Welcome to the North Catalyst podcast, Procurement Bytes, and I'm your host, Aval Sethi. Today, I'm going to share some thoughts on some of the lessons from a career in procurement. In my earlier days, working in procurement in the corporate world, I was often asked the question, how the hell did you get into procurement? Indeed, procurement had never come across as a career path to me. I had never taken a single class on procurement throughout my business school education, let alone procurement was not even offered as a subject during my university days. But one aspect that pushes us to think is, after all, how tough can it be to spend a company's money? Not until I joined a top MNC company, I got to know the nuances and more about procurement as a function and what it truly stands for. It is definitely simply much, much more than just about spending money. Procurement actually entails a fine balance of art and logic. In organizations, we meet people with different perceptions about procurement. Some see us as a tick in the box function to get vendor accreditations or budget approvals. Those with slightly more advanced mindsets would engage procurement earlier to select vendors Or negotiate lower prices. Well, procurement is more than just that. If I were to use an analogy to explain how procurement should be placed within an organization, I'd say procurement acts as a bridge. It connects internal business needs to the external world. A deep understanding of the available solutions, key players, and the ability to bring suitable business solutions to our internal businesses is the value procurement professionals bring to any organization. And that is not easy. It requires the procurement manager to have a deep understanding of the internal organizational business needs, processes and a holistic view on the external business solutions. After that, the matchmaking process of getting the suitable and not necessarily and not always the cheapest solutions to the internal user starts. The recommendation and adoption process is a test on change management skills. And the toughest part is often managing people's expectations. It involves the use of psychology, influencing skills, and persuasions. Procurement has also taught me how to balance powers. Power balance exists in every aspect of our jobs. Most of the time, I negotiate with external vendors on what the organization requires but more often than not, I negotiate with internal stakeholders on the long wish list and help them identify what are the realistic items from that list. To manage the business owner's expectations is a key to any successful negotiations. The act of balancing also sits in the negotiating rooms. I learned so much by managing multiple parties under an extremely stressful environment. Forget about the partners, forget about the negotiating plans and the Excel spreadsheets that are lying in front of you. When human behaviors do not go according to plan, leveraging on your emotional quotient to manage both parties' expectations often gets the job done most effectively. And if you look at it at the end of it all, procurement is actually a sales job. In every deal I've been through, I would have to sell to my suppliers on why I deserve that competitive price amongst all their other customers who might have bigger budgets, more recognizable brands or a bigger team to support the projects. Resource is limited and competition is fierce. If I cannot demonstrate my ability to add value to the supplier's current position, I will surely not get the best deals. The process involves identifying the uniqueness of your own company and presenting the value that could be put on the table to the potential suppliers. Of all the excellent procurement professionals I've seen, they're almost 100% good salespeople too. Keep tuning in for new episodes and keep listening. This is your host, Aval Seti.